You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Yo, real talk, baby. Mm-hmm. This parenting shit is hard. I agree. But I also know that if anybody try to mess with my kids, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Deadass. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm Deval. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. This time in particular is a few years back. This is a few years back. Mm -hmm. Um, This is when we really started doing social media. And um, I kind of stumbled on creating the videos of our family, especially with the kids. And it was around the time when Jackson started to lose his teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember Jackson had started losing his teeth. And then Cairo, at the time, was speaking his gibberish mm-hmm. on social media. And I remember seeing comments from people, right? And the comments were, when are you going to get that child's teeth fixed? And then Cairo was, Cairo was um, speaking English. He's not going to speak properly. Are you speak- Speaking like gibberish. Oh yeah, he he was speaking gibberish. He was speaking gibberish and baby talking. It's like, oh, he almost two years old. He should be speaking English by now. Like, y'all need to get that checked out. And I remember feeling like everybody is like a social media parent. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. they, everybody can diagnose your kids through a 60 second video. Because at this point, (laughs) the video was only 60 seconds, Mm -hmm. but everybody knew exactly what we need to do as parents, right? And at first, I was like becoming very defensive Mm -hmm. because I was like, I got to protect my kids because I don't want my kids to ever watch something and then say, dang, like something is wrong with me based on other people's comments. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then I started to realize like, you know, this is a glimpse into what the world is going to be like for my kids. So I have to teach my kids rather than coddle them and protect them. I have to teach my kids how to deal with, with people on the outside saying and believing things about them when they don't really know them. My good sis, the late uh, Whitney Houston, you know, we're talking about kids, 
we're talking about raising them we're yes. talking about relationships and all that good stuff co-parenting so i felt like it was appropriate because you know it's all about the children i believe the children are our future uh-uh. teach them well and uh-uh. let them lead the way uh-uh. show them all the beauty they possess inside about, did you just do the, the coming to america version <laughs> i might have <laughs> let them lead the way let them lead the way give them a sense of pride to make it easier i mean we should that's what we're supposed to do as parents right first of all you don't like doing karaoke, but whenever you do karaoke, you choose the singer with the greatest vocal cords for you to <laughs> sing behind. Whitney Houston, she went to Whitney Houston, then didn't even do the Whitney Houston version. You did the Coming to America version. Why would I try to, to do the Whitney Houston version? You got to make it funny at that point because there's no way I can hold a note, not even if you put it in my hand. So yeah, story time about Jackson and, oh, when are you going to get this kid braces? Somebody actually recently commented yes. that, like... I'm going to say this again. I'm going to ask this one more time. Bitch, we didn't ask you the first time. So why are you asking me again when I'm going to get my child's teeth fixed? First of all, mind your business. Second of all, if you are you an orthodontist? Third of all, did you not know that there's a certain age that children are eligible to get braces? And he hasn't reached that point yet. Have you been in his x-rays? You haven't. So it's just like, mind your business. Ladies mind and gentlemen. Business. Ladies and gentlemen. And maybe there's nothing wrong with his teeth. How about that? Like. Le- mind your business ladies and gentlemen <laughs> like i said in my soundbite <laughs> don't mess with my kids that's the one thing that's just off limits as a parent for me at least you can talk about my husband but don't talk about my damn kids. My, damn i won't let nobody kidding. talk about just you kidding. no no no, no don't talk lady, about any of these men ladies and gentlemen Cadena Alice. Let me t- where's my earrings? Let me take these, <laughs> let me take these shits off because I'll be ready to. We're gonna jump into the meat of the show. We have a special guest today who's gonna talk to us about a couple different things. We're gonna is that pause worthy? Hold on, you you kind of glow. Is that you want to jump into the meat? That's pause worthy. I can do that. I can jump. You can't into just meat. jump into anybody meat. Not anybody. So you, are you jumping into my meat? I mean, you next to me, so it's see, our look, show. Look, you see? You see how you, <laughs> you see? Get, you getting technical you now, so. Now it's a whole different show. Right. Now it's a whole different show. You know, y'all, go ahead. That's how we that, became parents. Stop that rated R. Jumping on the meat. On the <laughs> <laughs> That's how we became. That's how we Slap got here. Slap that on the, uh, the disclaimer for this episode. Now. Slap that meat. So <laughs> our guest today is going to be talking about a couple different things. We're going to be talking about co-parenting. Um, after a divorce, we're going to talk about autism. We're going to talk about all the things um, with a really, really funny mama. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth. Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. 
And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know... It doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushion. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. All right. So joining us, I have a fellow mom. I actually met this amazing uh, woman at the mom friends. I want to say maybe like three years ago at this point. I don't know. After the pandemic, I'm like, time is all jumbled for me. But that was probably one of the last times that I was able to get together with an amazing group of women who were also moms, black moms that were there for support, for laughs, for cries. It was just a great, great time. Um, so she's a fellow boy mom as well, author, chef, and builder, Catrice Pedro, also known as the funny mama on the internet. And she's funny as hell, y'all. Like literally every single video that she puts out, I promise you, I can relate to. Um, a true multitasking queen, Catrice's transparency about her real life experiences comes through funny skits on TikTok, uh, the DIY projects that she shares on YouTube, recipes on her cookbook. All sorts of stuff. You know, Catrice, you could probably tell us a little bit more about yourself better than I can. So I just want to introduce <laughs> you guys to Catrice, a.k.a. The Funny Mama. Tell everybody a little bit more about yourself. What's up, Catrice? Hi. How are you guys doing? We're chilling, chilling. Good. Yep. I'm a mom of uh, two boys, a teenager, and a four-year-old, soon to be five, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, both have attitudes. Nice. <laughs> the worst attitudes, but they're, really. they're my blessing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a chef. I actually dropped out of culinary school and then 
five years later was asked to teach at the culinary school oh, wow. I dropped out of. And that was kind of my motivation of like, okay, you should write a, you should do a cookbook. You should, you know, so I kind of just started everything for me just started hitting me. I've been a mom for 15 years now, but I didn't really start diving into who I was until about four years ago. And my, my followers, who I call my tribe have just been following me on this journey of rediscovery and figuring out who I am. And, you know, I'm working on Right now, gentle parenting, that's been my biggest thing. So I'm just, I share everything with, with my, um, with my tribe and they've helped me out of postpartum depression. And, you know, like I said, figuring out who I am because everybody's still always growing and, and, and trying to discover themselves. And I'm just very lucky to have a wonderful community of mothers who encourage me and help me and give me advice. And I, I think I'm doing the same for them. That's what's up. Well, Catrice, I have a question because a large part of our audience is relationship based. Uh huh. So, do you mind talking a little bit about your relationship or your relationships or lack thereof? (laughs) 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 Well, I I uh, just got divorced. Well, technically, I've been married twice. I got married when I was. 19. Wow. Um, and it was because I got pregnant with my son and we both knew it just wasn't the right thing mm-hmm. to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, that ended pretty quickly. So I don't think either one of us really count that because we were kids. We couldn't even drink. <laughs> right. Like, right. You know, 19 like, years early. Yeah. Yeah. You said you, think you couldn't then, even drink? <laughs> no. On our honeymoon, we were like trying to, we went on a cruise. We were trying to find like, you know, the right bartender that would let us drink. <laughs> We we're just like, had we're no married. Business. Like, what do you mean? Yes, we were like, we're married. We just had a baby. No, it didn't <laughs> work. Um, but now we we co-parent wonderfully. And we we have a great co-parenting relationship. Um, so that's with my older son, my oldest son, CJ. And then I I'm recently divorced. I was uh, in a relationship for 10 years. And, um, you know, sometimes you you have to choose yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you, as a mom, I feel like you, we, we put this pressure on ourselves to make sure that the kids are ha- happy. And you think that staying in the marriage is what makes, makes that happen. Um, and it, you don't notice that they see all of these things. And right. as a mom of boys, especially for me, I felt like it was important for them to not only know how a woman is supposed to be treated, but how when a woman isn't treated the correct way, you can lose that woman. Well, so for me, I I chose myself. So question, and yeah. in, a question. After getting, being married the first time, what made you say, I want to get married again? Because most people who are married who say, I'm getting a divorce, say they're never doing it again, and they end up getting married again. What was your reasoning for getting married again? Well, I think the first time, like I said, the first time I got married, it, I just don't even consider it a marriage. Like, mm. I, neither one of us do. We Even when we talk about it, we, like, laugh about it. It was we like were, a shotgun really wedding. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I had already had the baby. CJ had already been born, but I think we just felt kind of like it, it just, it just happened so quick and we were really doing it so that it will be okay. Right. Right. You know, right. Having Ooh. the baby will be okay. Right. So when I got married this last, there was a lot of factors on why I got married. None of which were, were, you know, 
the, the right reason, but but one of the main reasons was because um, I've I've my t- entire adult life have dealt with like um, fibroids and ovarian cysts, so I've had to have four surgeries before. Mm-hmm. And um, my doctor told me basically, you have two years to have another baby, mm-hmm. and if you don't, oh, wow. it's very high risk. It's extremely dangerous, you know, stuff like that. So. I went to my then boyfriend. We had been together for four years. And I basically was like, look, I, I want to have another kid. Mm-hmm. So let me know if marriage isn't what you see for us. Right. Because then, you know, I, I got, I got, right, go. right, I, got right. I got two this, years. My clock know? is ticking. Right. Yeah. My clock, my clock is ticking. And, yeah. and some people saw that as wrong. Like they felt like I was putting pressure on for me. I felt like I, I mean, I know that I want to have another kid. Right, you were and living you in don't the truth at the moment. Marrying me, yeah, it's like, well, then I, I gotta go. And and he he did say something that that was true, that that always sticks with me. He said one of us is going to resent the other if we don't have a baby, you know, or or if we don't get married and mm-hmm. your your time frame is up, you're going to be pissed at me. You're right. going to hate me. And with, with him, he didn't want to have a baby right then. That wasn't what mm. he wanted to do. He didn't even want to get, you know, married for real. Um, but he, but he ended up proposing to me, and we ended up getting, you know, married. Don't this sound familiar? Time. We had we did a whole episode about monogamy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I used the word pressure, and women came for me. Like a woman, I was one of those women. Right, right, right. <laughs> Catrice, you came from my husband. Of of course, because the minute you say pressure, women get defensive because they feel like it's not pressure. It's me telling you what I want and what I need. It's me and you making a decision. Yes. Yes. I feel like it's just like a man. It could be transparent and say, I don't want to have kids or I don't want to get married. That's fine. But I don't think it's wrong for me to say, I do want to get married. I do want to have kids. And if that's not in your plan, that's fine. Then let me go and go be with the person who does want to get married. I, understand, I understand that, but here's my counter argument. If a man were to quote unquote pressure a woman to have kids, he would be considered wrong. Because there have been women who came for me who've been like, why you keep asking Kadeen to have kids? That's her decision. You shouldn't be pressuring her to have kids. To me, it just seems a little hypocritical. If a man says what he wants, it's considered pressure. And that's not fair. But if a woman says what she wants, it's I'm just telling you what I need. And you have a right to say yay or nay. Well, I didn't think another child was pressure per se, because I think it was a joint decision. I think ultimately you were allowing me to say it's my body so I can do with it what I please. But as a married couple who plans for our life and plans for our future, it was worth the discussion. So you had to let me know how you felt about it. And then in turn, me be like, all right, this is something I know he wants. Let's see if it's something I'm willing to do as well. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about us thinking it was pressure. I'm mm-hmm. talking about some people who are not in relationships, right. single people who wonder, like, how how could I even be in a relationship if someone is going to, quote, unquote, pressure me? That's Whereas true. when you think about it now, it isn't pressure. Yeah. We well, both this, as this, individuals have the right to say what we want and what we need. Right. And we already, like, kind of laughed at Catrice. We were laughing at single people having such opinions about married people so what was it for you Catrice oh, yeah. that kind of was a trigger when you heard that monogamy clip from Deval and I because you said you were one of those people that got on him well because I feel like there's a difference between pressure and an ultimatum okay mm-hmm. I feel like if I'm saying hey I really want to have a baby I only have two years to have a baby 
just let me know where your mind is at. That is like, it is me applying pressure, but is it me being yes, like, if is. you, if you don't choose to have a baby with me, then I'm out. Mm-hmm. Then there's a difference. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm saying you have to, or I'm gone, you're, you're never going to see me. That really wasn't me. It was really me saying, where's your mind at? We, we are adults. And this is us talking about a future. We've been together for five years now. Are we moving in the direction of getting married and having a baby? Because if not, I need to make a decision for myself and my future. Mm-hmm. Because is, is it wrong? Then would it be wrong for me to say, let me not say anything then? No. And let me just sit here and hope that something happens. Absolutely not. The thing is, I, I agree that you have the right to do that. But I do also agree that it's pressure. And it is an ultimatum. But what yeah. We have, yeah, but what we have to stop doing is demonizing people who are saying, I need this for me. Mm. There's nothing wrong with it. You see, the, the problem yeah. is, is that people create a negative connotation. And, and me being one of those people, I was immature at that point in my life, didn't understand mm. why it had to be that way. Why does everything have to be on your terms and when you want it and when you need it? But when you think about it, you only get one life. If you don't mm-hmm. vocalize what you want and what you need, you'll never get in a relationship what you want and what you need. And yeah. I think that's in part what, you know, what we're trying to, teach people not even teach people but show people that if you're willing to be of service to your partner and your partner is willing to be of service to you when they tell you what they want and when they need you won't even take it as an ultimatum it's just open forms of communication absolutely but i also think at the same time when somebody tells you what they want listen to them because then you end up getting married and divorced five years that, no that's <laughs> that's a great point yeah in the first place you know that's because i point. mean it, i can say i can say a lot of things but he was honest from the beginning he really was not trying to have another baby he really was not he he would say he wants he knew he wanted to marry me but he just wasn't ready at that time, at that time. And for me it was like i got i got things to do you know how, how much more of my life i'm five we've been together five years right and for me it's like that's you know that's a long ass time right. so so had he I not think, proposed um would you have probably yeah. been out because you had this timeline that you were working on so would you have been like damn i you don't want to propose or you don't want a baby now so i'm gonna have to just go do me i mean that is what happened at first Oh, okay. we, yeah. we broke up for a month um, because he just he was like, I can't give you an answer. And I was like, that's fine. There's no love lost. There's no beef. But I need to step back so I could figure out what, you know, what's right okay. for me. Mm-hmm. Then we ended up getting back together and mm-hmm. he proposed a couple months later. See, right. that that is the epitome of pressure and an ultimatum. <laughs> but but the thing is, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's your life. Like like this. This yeah. is what we have to do stop doing to people right if someone says this is what i need and i want right everyone else has a problem with that person saying that that's wrong Mm -hmm. you you can't be mad at catrice for doing that the same way i can't be mad at you for doing that Mm -hmm. to me you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. the problem is is that when you ask people to tell them to tell you the truth and they tell you the truth then you get mad at their truth i think a lot of times too we get wrapped up in like the word like ooh pressure ooh ultimatum when we're not really even listening to like what it is that the person needs it's just thinking that the negative connotation around the word like pressure ultimatum or you're allowing your spouse to do something like there's certain things that are trigger words I think for people that sometimes Mm -hmm. makes it worse than what the actual ask is you know yeah I I feel you and and I think that the wrong person ends up being called selfish because is it selfish to ask for what you want or is it is it selfish for you to do something to keep someone 
but you really didn't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you, you don't want to lose the person to someone yes. else. So you're like, well, I'm going to marry them and keep them so I don't lose them. But this isn't really what I want to do. Right. So I know I'm not going to be all the way in. Yeah. Then it's like, well, then what it, it's a very, there's, there's a very fine line on both ends on, Absolutely. on what is right to do. Cause it's like, you want to speak up for yourself. You want to, you want to ask for what you want, but at the same time, I think my issue is when men say they were pressured, but it's like nobody had a gun to your head. Right. So you could have said no. Right. So now you're going into something that you knew you really didn't want to go into. You're an adult just like I am. So maybe you shouldn't have gone gone into it. So I I mean, marriage there I mean, there's tons of books on marriage, but it doesn't mean mm. that anybody knows what they're talking about. I you know, it's, just, it's, it's, yeah. it's so it's so difficult it's very very hard yeah you're bringing two different people who were raised by two different parents you know and trying to create this union that's going to last forever and it just it just sometimes doesn't work well Kay and i say this all the time that everyone claims to be an expert on marriage and we're all just guessing like we don't know what Mm -hmm. works we're kind of just trying to figure it out but the only way you can honestly find a way to exist in your marriage happily if both people are willing to say exactly what they want and what they need mm-hmm. in real time mm-hmm. and if your spouse is willing to be of service to your wants and needs. That's the only way it's going to work. And, and as things change. Yeah, and there's, there's no one way that's going to fit all marriages. Like, what oh, works for us is not going to work for probably 95% of everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's no reason mm-hmm. to say, follow this format because that, that shit ain't going to work for everybody else neither. Facts. Yeah. It's make your own rules. Right. And, and but make sure you keep the respect for one another and yes. making those rules. For too. sure, for sure. So now mm-hmm. you're fairly new to the co-parenting journey. So this episode is going to touch on a couple different things. Right. Um co-parenting, what's that looking like for you when it comes to cuz you have two sons and you have two yeah. different age ranges. You have 15 and almost 5, right? And almost 5, and yeah. Almost 5 and then two so, dads. Yeah, so with the 15-year-old, like I said, we were kids. So the first 5 years we hated each other. Like we were like, you ruined my life. Why did we mm-hmm. get married? That was so dumb. Now yeah. I have to say that I'm divorced and I'm 23 at that point, you know, I'm like, this is so dumb, whatever. And we just, it took us a while to get to the point where we um, could really communicate. And then it just grew into a friendship where we, we realized we, once you seriously put your child first, yes. like people say it all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, I do this for my kid. I do this. And it's like, you can clearly see <laughs> right. that you have not romantically cut yourself off from this person. Absolutely. It's not, you did it for, you're doing it for the kids. You're doing it for yourself. Cause yes. if you're doing it for the kids, you wouldn't be yelling in front of kids. You would. And I mean, I was guilty of that too, you know? Um, and we got to the point where we really, did sit down and say, look, we are going to be in each other's lives for the rest of our lives. I don't, I'm too fucking exhausted chasing after this little boy to now have to beef with you until the end of days. Mm -hmm. I can't. And we just kind of really shifted our perspective and we removed that hate because it's like we we still created this child together. We still have to raise this child and him being a healthy and non-toxic man one day is going to be based off of what he sees absolutely so i think once we were able to adjust our uh, you know our our ways of thinking um and and really become a team 
now, like I said, we we joke, laugh, whatever. I can call him and be like, guess what this motherfucker just did? We're like laughing, cracking up, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Um, Now, now my new... <laughs> <laughs> look, look at the, you heard the pause? You heard the pause? Now. 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 <laughs> We're still in those five years a little bit. Uh-huh. I mean, I think for me, like I, I've been, obviously I want to get to that healthy co-parenting um, place. And I feel like we we will get there. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes people aren't. Sometimes people are. You're just not on the same page, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's just going to take a little bit of work mm-hmm. to to get to the same page. I think uh, we we handled our separation and divorce differently as soon as I filed for separation. Almost two years ago, I went started therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I need to heal myself. I need to work on myself mm-hmm. because although there was, I can't say that I wasn't, I was just this perfect wife that did everything right. right. And at this mm-hmm. point, I'm like, you're, you're 34. Well, at that point I was 33. You're 33 and you have now been divorced twice. You need to do some soul searching and figure out what the fuck is going on. Mm, that's a lot of people. Why you're do ignoring that. shit or oh, why you're. A lot of people. Hello, accountability. That's yes. great. Yeah. It's like, what's going on, you know? And, and I did, I spent a, a I had an amazing therapist and she, she read me for filth a couple of times. And then she also <laughs> just let me know, like to be gentle with myself, you know, because a lot of it was me ignoring red flags and having this feeling of um, uh, something. Something she told me that stuck with me was how, however, whatever you saw growing up, whether it's on TV or your mm-hmm. parents or whatever, whatever you saw is how you envision your life growing up. Mm-hmm. You, even if you don't even, even if you're not even. Um, like actually looking for it. You're, you're right. not thinking about it. It's in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. So if you see your parents arguing all the time growing up, then in your mind, a healthy relationship is someone Looks who like you're that. arguing with all the mm-hmm. time. So I would always go for the quote unquote bad boy who, who I was arguing with all the time. And if I wasn't arguing with you, it seemed boring. Like mm-hmm. there's something wrong. And mm-hmm. I didn't know why. And I'm like, he every oh, he, this guy is great. He treats right. me so good, but no, he's not for me. Right. And I realized it's because my growing up, you know, I saw a lot of arguing, not just my parents right. on TV, stuff like that. So for me, that felt normal. That was love. That's what love meant to me. And so that was another reason why I ended up getting a divorce was because I didn't want my kids to think that yeah. arguing and fussing and all of this, obviously it happens, you know, you're going to argue, but you arguing and fussing more than showing love in front of your kids mm. is I don't want this should just be a cycle where my kids are now in relationships with someone who, you know? So, um, I think that I have gotten to the place where I I most certainly feel like I am, I am not completely healed, but really good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm dating someone and I'm happy. And I just think that I, I focused on myself first and on healing myself instead Mm -hmm. of like, ignoring it and just putting it to the back burner act like it didn't happen Mm. so hopefully one day we'll get on the same page where we can co-parent very well i mean for now it's there's no bad blood or anything like that but it's definitely not like with cj's dad where we could joke laugh right not like that right now well it's it's funny though because our first five years of marriage and i would say co-parenting was terrible 
awful. It was it was horrible. Like we were divorced within our marriage we, about three times, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Unbeknownst to the general public, but it was yeah. it was pretty bad. And what what is it about that first five years of marriage? I I think it's what Catrice said and what you and I talk about all the time. She grew up in a household where marriage looked a certain way. I grew up in a household where marriage looked a certain way, That's true. and. Without actively thinking that you're trying to play out what you've seen in your life, I was trying to play out what I saw, and she was trying to play out what she saw. And when we didn't meet, we just blamed each other, and like everything is just your fault. Like right. there was no accountability. There were very little conversations had to about it. Yeah, because I always talk about too how I don't feel like I was ever really prepared to be a wife. Like, what does that look like? You know. But then on the converse side of that. Even if my mom or my aunts or some elder in my family were to prepare me to be a wife, that would be them using whatever tainted, jaded right. <laughs> experience they have had as a wife, mm -hmm. then inflicting that on me and me thinking that was like the be all that ended all instead of looking to my husband to see, OK, what right. is it that was going to make it work for us? Right. You know, so that's something that is kind of hard. But there's I hear a lot of couples talk about that five year period where it's a lot of transitioning. Yeah. Some people are just moving in together. So it's like trying to figure out living with someone for the first time as well as being married. Sometimes it's financial issues that are stressors. I mean, we got married and had a baby that was a honeymoon baby. So there were a lot of changes right. that happened right away. Um, so that first five years is is a little touch and go. Catrice, you said something that I want I want you to follow up on. Um, You said that part of the reason why you got divorced is because you didn't want your son to see how you were being treated. And I always mm -hmm. feel like as a as a boy as a boy dad there's going to be two relationships that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life it's how i treat their mm -hmm. mom and how their mom treats them mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. how they're going to treat the woman that they choose to marry the rest of their life right mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about co-parenting in that space where dad is not in the home and you have a boy because i have a lot there's a lot of single moms who are in my dm saying like this video that you posted you know, helped me with my son. How do you find it is parenting as a single mom, two boys? Well, I think that you're actually missing one other relationship that's important. And that's the way that um, the mom treats the dad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, so I think, and, and I do want to circle back on that because I, I, I was, there's so many, like I said, I'm, I was not perfect. So even mm -hmm. the way that I reacted to things or the way that I behaved in certain or, or I would say the way that I reacted was was not necessarily um, the way that if I saw one of my sons, they were dating someone and they acted that way. I oh, would be big. like, oh, we we about to I'm going to be <laughs> talking regardless of what my kid did. You right. Know, like, so it's like even just get just showing them the respect you need to have for a person. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why I said the way the mom treats the dad too, obviously, yes, the dad does need to treat the mom a certain way. And you need to, to show that how important it is to, to treat, you know, treat the mom the way she's supposed to be treated. But I think it's the other way too, especially when it comes to feelings. And that is something that I have learned through therapy and I have applied to my new relationship where I am encouraging him to tell me how he feels mm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I literally, in the, in the beginning, he was acting like, you know, he's so tough. He's so cool, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> look, if that's how you about to be, 
that's fine, but it's not for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't been, I haven't been around the block. I'm not about to do this shit again. Okay? Right, right, right. So you, we need to talk. We need to be open. And because I'm encouraging him to tell me his feelings and you know, whatever it's, it's opened up a, a whole nother like part of a relationship that I didn't even know you could have with a man. Mm-hmm. Where you feel not only do I feel comfortable being vulnerable with you, but you feel comfortable being vulnerable with me. And ro- like raising boys, I feel like it's this huge circle where you have a son and then you teach him he needs to be tough. You can't cry. You can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Then they get into a relationship with a girl who likes him so much because he seems macho and tough. And he's going to protect me or whatever. But then they end up divorced because. He never told me how he felt or he acted like he didn't care or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, but then y'all had a kid who you're now raising to be macho and stuff. Absolutely. And it's like a whole circle going yeah. over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's that aspect of showing boys that it's okay to be vulnerable and 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 show their feelings. And even with my oldest son, I was the mom when he was younger. Like, you can't cry. You're a boy. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, and, and it, I was hard on him. I'm hard on my nieces too. As you should be. I mean, you should be. You know, like, is it worth you crying? Is it, you know, I'm very, which is crazy because I'm a crybaby. But I think Mm -hmm. because I never wanted them to be a crybaby like me, I'm like, why are you crying? Let's, let's, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. But I think now that my son is older, and, and this happened too, I put him in therapy when we got divorced too. And a lot of those things came out. We were able to talk to each other and, it was like once I gave him permission to be vulnerable with me now now he's telling me stuff that I don't think he would have ever told me right. before and now it's changed our relationship so while I think it is extremely important to demonstrate how, you know how um how a mom should be treated how how a husband should treat a wife I also feel like it is equally important to not only show how a mom should en- or, or a wife should encourage a husband to share his feelings, but a man being comfortable Absolutely. sharing his feelings too. Uh, we we were just talking yeah, about that with our boys because yeah. there's a balance because I'm definitely that dad that's just like, yo, is that worth crying? Suck the tears up. It's not That's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But I'm also the dad that'd be like, okay, you need to cry. Come cry with me because I want my my boys to understand that you can only be vulnerable with people you trust. You know, you can't just go out there in the world and just be vulnerable with anybody. People are going to take advantage of you. So mm-hmm. vulnerability is is supposed to be a selective usage. You know, like mm-hmm. don't just go out there and meet any girl and just start opening your heart to any girl or any mm-hmm. friend you just open your heart to. No, there's certain people mm-hmm. you cry in front of and then there's certain people that you just, I'm going to hold that shit in because mm-hmm. I don't trust this motherfucker. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's it's important for young men and young women mm-hmm. to know that it's okay to use discernment with who to be vulnerable with. Absolutely. You mentioned um, when you introduced yourself, gentle parenting. What does that look like to you in your scope of parenting with the boys? <laughs> it, lo- it looks like a lot of wine. That's what it looks like. Because <laughs> <laughs> like. this shit, oh my God. Yo, like, Patrice, you had me dying on the reel you did recently where it was um, the Usher intro. And it was oh like when they call when the school calls you to tell you that virtual learning is back in. <laughs> and what's the beginning of that when he's just like, oh, um, he's like, stop playing. Stop yeah. playing. How you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you lying. Yeah. What? Really? No. Yeah, I know you. Because it's like, damn, shit, like damn. damn. 
<laughs> yeah. She's just like, wait, these guys are back up again. I was like, you guys to fucking be kidding me. Because we <laughs> thought we were smooth sailing. Now all of a sudden, we're back in the house, locked up again. Back crazy. in the house, locked up again. <laughs> so I know. It's funny. I might be that one mom that's just like, I kind of like my kids where I can see them. Because I, I tell my husband all the time, I said, the only time I feel like my I'm at ease is when I know that all of my men are in the house. That means my husband and my mm. four boys. If one of them is out doing whatever it is, I feel like I'm in a constant state of worry. <laughs> I need them where I can see them. Um, but I want to shift gears a little bit, Catrice, now and just talk a little bit more on the parenting side about advocating for your child. So I know that your youngest son, um, who's almost five, what's his name again? Ashton, right? Ashton. Ashton. Mm-hmm. So Ashton was diagnosed with autism. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with that um, to diagnosis and where you are now? So Ashton got diagnosed with autism two years ago when he w- he was born five years ago. And when he was born, um, he's, he was a pretty, you know, like typical baby did everything was met all of his milestones and everything. Um, and then at a certain point we started to realize that his, um, he was like staying the same. Like he wasn't, growing and he he was physically growing but like mentally it wasn't like he was doing the things that most babies would do um one of the things he started crawling with and with like one of his back legs and the other one he would kind of like drag his back leg and Mm. at first we thought it was cute we were like oh okay it's a little army crawl yeah (laughs) Yeah. we're like all right cool that's cute whatever um and then he started you know how babies you know how sometimes they'll get startled and they'll put their hands out? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's a normal thing. Yeah. But when they're a year old and they're still doing it, it's no longer so, you know, normal. Um, so so typical, not normal. It's not a typical thing for a one-year-old to do. So um, uh, by 18 or by 15 months, I think it was 15 or 16 months, um, we took him to the doctor and we're like, you know, he's not saying anything. He doesn't really make eye contact with us. He doesn't really play with his brothers. Or, I mean, and his brothers were 10 years older than him. Right. So we, we kind of were like, well, maybe it's just because they're not the babies, difference. you know, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor was like, mm, well, let's wait until 18 months. We'll come back. We'll look at him and see. And I'm like, okay, but a mom knows. Mm-hmm. You have the feeling in your gut. Everybody else in my family was like, he's fine. And I just, I knew something was off. Um, And I was crying and all this stuff. And they're like, you're doing the most. Everything is fine. And they're like, oh, Junebug from such and such started talking. (laughs) He started talking until he was six. (laughs) Or such and such, they started walking until he was seven. And you're like, okay. (laughs) That's good for them, but. Okay. That's good for them, but I know something, you know. So, um. Then finally, he he went to go see, uh, or he didn't even, we were supposed to see a developmental pediatrician, which is one of the hardest doctors to get into for a child, because you literally are going to the doctor saying, I think my child has some kind of developmental disability. And they're like, okay, well, we can see you in a year for a diagnosis. And that's sometimes like, while you're on like a waiting list, and you're like, what the fuck? So before you even do that, to even get to actually seeing the doctor, you have to do this phone call that takes like 30 minutes and they ask you like a hundred and something questions. It's like yes or no questions. Does your child do this? Does your child do that? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the phone and I'm answering all these questions. At this point, Ashton is, is two years old and I'm, I'm answering all these questions and 
he's like, at the end, he's like, all right, well, he doesn't sound like he's autistic to me. He seems like he's fine. We'll come back in six months to a year. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, that shit just don't seem right. Like, right. For, you didn't even see him. You didn't right. even see him. You just, you're just talking to me over the phone and asking me general ass questions. <laughs> and how are you supposed to know, you know, if you're not seeing What's, him? What are the so, questions like? Like, does your son blink with both it eyes? It was like, <laughs> yes, like some not stupid autistic. shit too, where it's like, <laughs> if you give him a bottle will, and a Cheerio, will he put the Cheerio inside of the bottle? I'm like, I mean, well, who the fuck? Right, and I literally eat Cheerios, bitch. Like, what the hell? I will be like, what the fuck is this? Why are you handing it to me? Like, you know, so it was like questions. A lot of them were throwing me off, too. Later, I found out that when you have one of those things, you should exaggerate your answers if you really feel as though your child is on the spectrum. Oh. Because they just kind of like, and that way you can go to see the doctor, where, you know. Okay. So then we went, They we I went, took him back to the pediatrician. I'm like, something is wrong. Y'all going, I need something. They put him in the infant and toddler program. They, she just diagnosed him with um, severe developmental delay. And mm -hmm. they said, she said, it should be fine. He should catch up. And I said, okay, I want to get in with a pediatrician, uh, you know, whatever. Pandemic happened. We were on the wait list for a year and a half. That was the time frame they had given us was a year wow. and a half. I happened to call right maybe a month after the pandemic or maybe two months after the pandemic started. And... I just asked the lady, can you put me on the wait list? You know, we have an appointment for a year and a half from now, but can you put me on the wait list in case something happens? I kid you not. The very next day she called me and said, we had a cancellation for Friday. Oh, wow. Do Friday. Look at God. And I was See? like, I was like, absolutely. Now at this point, Ashton, I had been home with Ashton for two months. I am the least patient person you will ever meet, but I'm also the most determined person you will ever meet. <laughs> so the moment they told me that he had a developmental delay, I started doing all this research. I started doing all this work with him. I changed. I found this this other mom that I had met started telling me she was changing up her kid's diet and to read this book and read that. And so I started doing all this research. I'm putting him on supplements. A lot of shit was just me fucking guessing. Like, okay, mm -hmm. well, they said this is good for this. I'm not a fucking doctor. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. But I'm like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Because I can tell shit was not okay with him. Like, he was... At this point, he's two and a half and he's not saying even mom or dad, you know, like he's not saying nothing. Right. I'm like, okay. Wow. So by the time he sees a developmental pediatrician, um, it was a two hour Zoom call and this guy is sitting there talking to him and he's going over all of his notes because he had been in the infant and toddler program for a year at that point. So when you're in the infant and toddler program, they send a therapist to your house uh however many times a week the, the pediatrician mm -hmm. recommends and they evaluate them and they compile this list or this this file on your child of all the of the things that you know that they've observed. So he keeps on asking me, is this the same kid from such and such date? Is this the same kid? Because at this point Ashton had made a lot of right. big changes. He he wasn't saying words yet, but he could identify shit and right. just Three months before the pandemic, he wasn't saying shit, you know, like different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the th reasons why he did end up diagnosing Ashton with autism was because, and I'm I actually this just happened this morning. I was actually just doing a video on it before we did this. Um, one of the things he told me to do was pretend that I was crying and turn my back to Ashton to see if Ashton even looked my way mm. or or anything. And so I pretended to cry. And this nigga, he just was not like, he was like, all right, well, I'm still going to play. So then I was like, well, let me, let me turn it up. I'm not believable. In this. I'm, 
I'm a sobbing. Put on your like, actress hat. I should have won a fucking award for <laughs> this performance. I'm like, and this man still like playing with his little toys, like whatever. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you don't see me? Right. I, need, I need you. I need you to, you know, right. to hold me. And he just, nope, didn't do nothing. So the doctor starts writing all this shit down after that one, like writing all. So yeah. at the end, when he diagnosed him, he said, you know, one of the biggest um, signs that I saw with him is it was like a lack of empathy or, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he just didn't have that, you know, even if, if I seemed frustrated or flustered or anything, Ashton wouldn't even look my way. He was just in his own world. Mm-hmm. So that was two years ago. And probably every week after that, for about a year and a half, I would randomly pretend I was crying to see if Ashton even cared. Maybe like, maybe towards the end of that year and a half, maybe like two weeks into it, he started like looking, but he would just start laughing. Like he's just an asshole. Like I'm a laughing mommy. <laughs> oh wait, so like, wait, I don't give a fuck. so wait, so so you may be autistic because every time I try to like Deval. get Kadeen to pay attention to me, I'd be like sobbing and crying, and she be fucking ignoring me, and I'd be like, yo, what? Is she just so I'd be going hard. You know what I'm saying? I'm a thespian. I do this, this and then all I, I hear is gi- I hear giggling in the back, and I turn around. I be like, you laughing? You laughing at my pain? Now I know what it is. Now I know what it is. No, it's because see, Katrice, well, this is not Ashton called for. Must have seen what she does, you see, how she reacts. You see, Katrice, he started laughing. This is what it is. Yeah. So, oh so when he started laughing, I didn't care. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not gonna do this anymore. That was six months ago. I haven't done it in six months. This morning, now Ashton's personality has really come out mm-hmm. a lot. He has, he has become this child that is very vocal vocal about how he feels and um which is he has great. a very bad attitude mm. <laughs> very bad attitude which is great for right. a child who was literally in his own world and did not care yeah you're like, like i'll take it we can work on that yes so this morning he was at his dad's yesterday so when i picked him up last night he went to sleep this morning i'm like you want to play i walked into his room he's playing with all his toys normally he wants to play i was like oh you want to play and he was like no and when it closed the door my face <laughs> This is when the gentle parenting comes in because <laughs> the old Catrice would, would kick down the door and be like, who the fuck are you thinking about what I was Right. <laughs> so I calmly opened up the door and I sat in the corner. I said, I wonder what will happen if I pretend to cry. So I pulled out my phone and just turned it on record and I pretended to cry. And I kind of looked over my shoulder at him and he looked back at me. So I'm like, okay, he's looking back at me. And then he stood up and he's like, hey, mommy. Hey, mommy, behind me. He's like, hey, mommy, hey, mommy. And I'm still crying because I was so into the performance. Like, <laughs> probably really. We the same person. <laughs> you know, exactly. I was like in it. I was in it. And he was like, Ma, hey, mommy, hey, mommy. And then I said, yes, Ashton. And he said, why are you crying? Which would never. I mean, this wow. man a year ago was not even saying even two words in a sentence. But right. now he's saying, why are you crying? And I said, because you made me sad. And he said, okay, let's play. And uh, I was like, do not start, do not start real, real crying. crying. I'm about to say, look at me over here getting look, tears look, in my do eyes. Do not start crying right now. So I was like, okay. And I'm like so excited to play with him and do all this stuff because it was like, you know, it's it's little things that that when you go through this, through when, when you when you have a child who's autistic, there's so many feelings that you have of um, you're you're angry. You're you're jealous. You see other parents, or mm-hmm. you know, with with their kids, and you know, just the simplest thing mm-hmm. um, for for a parent with a child with autism is not simple. Right. You know, I can it's imagine that there's much like a level work. of 
I can imagine there's a level of maybe like guilt or wondering, did you do something? Guilt. Could you have done something to prevent it? Exactly. I couldn't hold down prenatal vitamins. So for the first like three months of his his diagnosis, I blame myself. I'm like, you must be me. He didn't get the vitamins he needed. He didn't, you know, I didn't do, I should have just pushed through. I should have just kept on trying to take him. Um, And then you get the the mama bear where it's like you go out and people are looking at you because there's a thing called stimming where uh, every child with autism has different different mm-hmm. little little course or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ashton's is when he gets excited he stims so he like extends his hands out like he gets really excited or stamps on his tippy toes and you you see other parents looking or you mm-hmm. see other kids and I don't care how old you are you hear my baby <laughs> right, right, right right you know you're automatically you're like what turn the fuck around <laughs> right like, that's, that's, you don't That's see my nigga standing right now. Mind, my nigga standing. Like, like, what the fuck? So what? Let him exactly. stand in peace. Leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> I am grateful that I feel over this pandemic. I honestly feel like people have been more open about autism on social media because the looks that I would get before um, the pandemic and the looks now, even though Ashton obviously has has. Um, he has developed and like is reaching more milestones. So he's not as, you know, it's not as intense, like it's stemming and stuff, but it's different. It's almost like, and I can look at other parents too. And I can look at a child that probably some other people wouldn't notice, but I can notice that, Oh, your, your kid must be on the spectrum. And you kind of look at the parent and it's a feeling of comfort. Like, and you kind of suit closer to them at the playground. Mm. And it's like, Oh, we can understand our kids can play together. You know? So I think, it, it's such it, it's such an emotional thing and the autism community is great but even within that community there's a there's a divide among some of the parents because there's some parents who are who believe certain things and this is how you should treat your child with autism and there's some parents who think otherwise and you know at the end of the day nobody knows what the fuck we're doing we're just right. trying mm-hmm. to make sure our children right. have the brightest future but you have those people who, are just so angry and they feel like they just got to tell you this or tell you that I have people all the time. Cause I share the things that I've done with Ashton so that, you know, they, he has made all of these big strides and changes and, you know, and has grown so much. And I share it because I feel like it would be wrong of me not to share right. something that has changed our lives so drastically to the point where in therapy, they have now tested him out. He is completely caught up with, wow. you know, kids his, his own age. Wow. But then I have parents coming on my page saying like, well, not autism isn't something you can heal. Stop trying to make it seem like it's something that, that can just go away. When I'm not, I'm just trying to give my baby the brightest future possible and trying to share that information, you know, or there's, there's um, people who have autism, adults who come in and they say, we don't want anybody. You're, we don't want people to know when we have autism. We don't feel like we need to broadcast it. So your son probably wouldn't either. And that's 100% fine, you know, mm-hmm. with how they want to handle it. And and my son, it, right now, I, I am his voice. He's mm-hmm. four years old. I am his voice. And, and the way that I am raising him is to be proud of who he is. Right. There is nothing wrong with it. And I feel like the only way, there's so many people who even growing, who I grew up with, who even in elementary school, I remember they were the bad kid. Or they right. always got in trouble. Absolutely. Or you would be like, what the fuck? Now I'm thinking back on it, like they probably were just on the spectrum, especially in the black community. Absolutely. Everything yeah. is like completely ignored. He's just bad. You need to be his ass or, uh-huh. you know, his, or his hush, daddy hush ain't around or this and that. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, 
you need to take a step back and and see you know there's signs and, and things so it's it's not to, not um, to cut you off Catrice, but it's not just in no, the black community because i worked at poly prep in brooklyn which is a bunch of wealthy white mm-hmm. families and there was definitely some kids who were on the spectrum their way of covering it up is paying their kids way through life mm-hmm. so we we had kids mm-hmm. who were on the spectrum who I'm, i can't out them but his dad used to put a library so that he can graduate from middle school to high school or mm-hmm. ma- you know make mm-hmm. sure make sure he gets his diploma on time with the rest of his class i'll put a football field in like there's there's always hefty ways donations. hefty donations <laughs> yes but but what you do i think is so important because when you can add levity to something that's so serious it humanizes the experience yeah. and what you said to me what resonated was the joy you felt when he said that simple word was like mommy why are you crying Mm-hmm. When people can see you have that joy as a parent, even even though it's a parent with a child that has autism, that joy is like we can all relate to that. Yes. You know, yeah. because we as parents, even even if your child doesn't have autism, sometimes your child does stuff that you just look at them and be like, why the fuck would you do that? And other parents mm-hmm. who have children would can see that and they laugh because they're like, I was just there mm-hmm. with my child. Yeah. A- yeah. Allowing us to allowing us to. Well, allowing yourself to be his voice allows us to see what it's like. And then you you won't have so many people staring and wondering what's happening if they already understood what's going on. Right. It also makes you better mm-hmm. equipped, I think, as a parent to know there's certain things to look for. So like you said, as, as opposed Absolutely. to looking at a child and saying, oh, he's just bad or, you know, he needs his ass beat or put his ass in time out. Mm-hmm. Now we can actually proper, properly diagnose yeah. our children or see when they need help and then be that advocate. And for you, Catrice, I, like, that blew my mind when you told me that you had to wait a whole year for him to see someone. Yeah. So much can happen or not happen with a child's developmental phases right. in a year right. that you feel like, oh, I'm just going to sit back here and just wait for a year <laughs> before we yeah. figure things out. So, you know, I think it's great that you took it upon yourself to find ways to, you know, trial and error things to see what would work and what wouldn't, you know, and then sharing that. I think there's a wealth of knowledge just in that. And that's what I think I love about um, your story. I love that about even just our podcast and this platform, because there's so many topics that we discuss on here that are always taboo or just not spoken about, particularly in black and brown communities. Yes. And we have to get the information out there because there's so many resources in that. There's so much support in that. And things are not Mm -hmm. like it's all about healing the generations forward and not repeating that cycle of mm-hmm. you know oh well, he was bad and his his brother was bad and you like you said yeah. gene bugging walked till he was six like you know little things like that um diagnosing them earlier so the kids in the future have a little bit more hope so well what what were what? a couple of the things that you've done because you said that you know people are saying you can't heal autism and you're like well i'm not trying to heal it what i get is that you're trying yeah. to be as of much support to your son as possible what are some Absolutely. of the things you've done to help him be to be a support system to him well, one, I started him on a series of uh, vitamins and supplements that um, I got. Well, I got his metal levels tested, mm-hmm. which that was one um, of the things the mom that I was saying earlier that I met, her name is Tiffany. She was telling me that she got her son's metals tested um, and toxic or toxins tested. It's like, it's like a hair test and like a, a saliva test. You send it into this lab and they'll come back and tell you like, yes, there's a high level in your child or whatever. And Ashton had a high level of mercury and aluminum in his system. Um, and what can happen? Again, I'm not a doctor. So this is 
This is me telling you guys how I process the information. Mm-hmm. So a doctor mm-hmm. might be listening and be like, this bitch. So <laughs> but this, is what, this is how I process the information. So everybody's body, um, you know, like your liver helps to get rid of metals and toxins that are in your body. It flushes it out. That's why mm-hmm. it's important to drink a lot of water and get all this stuff out. Some people's bodies do not have the proper ability to flush out metals and toxins. There's metals and toxins in everything we eat, everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not going to go into the reasons why, you know, he, he might have metals and toxins in his system. Um, because that's a, a huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. but I think for him, once I found that out, I started finding supplements and and um and vitamins that would not only help him with remove safely removing those toxins those metals and toxins but also would help in areas that he was deficient in so for instance ashton used to grind his teeth all the time like just we would just be sitting there he'd be grinding his teeth and then the car it would noises drive me crazy like hearing somebody chew Mm -hmm. but i would have to turn the music up so loud because it would make me want to cry because i would (laughs) he wouldn't even listen to me when i'm like please stop please stop you know so um i found out that zinc if you give more um, zinc to a child, it can help with stuff like that. After a week, he stopped grinding his teeth. So it's a lot of stuff of doing like your own research and seeing different things that your child um, might be doing um, and using, finding supplements that, you know, can help. I also changed his diet. Um, all of these things that I did when I told the developmental pediatrician when he saw Ashton for a follow-up um, and told me I should write a book because he has mm. never seen a child make so many huge strides when i told him i changed his diet and put him on supplements he said but that's not the reason why he's the way that he is i know because i'm a doctor and i said well <laughs> i mean <laughs> you asked me what i did i'm telling you what i did right and he's like no he's like trust me i'm a doctor i know i've done research on this i know that's not true my mother's husband is a doctor as well and so everything i give to ashton i ask him first right is this okay? For, and there's a very fine line because I also know he doesn't want to be like, okay, for something that is like, you know, yes. probably mm-hmm. shouldn't. Yeah. But I'm asking him like, am I going to kill my child if I get my child? You know, right. like that's basically right. how, that's that's the kind of understanding that we have. Just tell me if this is dangerous for him right. and if it's not, okay. Um, and he told me, no, those things are helping him 100%. Um, so we changed his diet which they all, all the doctors said that does nothing for me. It helps Ashton when he has gluten, he's super, super hyper. I can't get him to listen to me or listen to lessons Mm -hmm. if he's hyper. So it's not because I think it's curing his autism. It's because this man is acting like a crackhead. How am I supposed to teach him his ABCs (laughs) if he won't sit the fuck down? So no, no bread for you. Okay. We're going to cut it out for now. And then another thing that I did that I tell a lot of parents, I, w- I changed Ashton's diet and did all of these things a year and some change before we saw any difference. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, before we saw any difference in him, I changed, I changed his, his, all of these things. And there was a lot of me just crying. Like, am I just doing this for nothing? I would do exercises with him over the pandemic and he wasn't even paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. I would be f- chasing him around with flashcards. This is a fish. F-I-F-H. <laughs> this is a fish. Right. This is a gorilla. This is this. This is green this is the color purple and it was like his this man is not even listening to shit i'm saying the moment he started talking it was like every single thing that i was chasing him around trying to get him to understand 
he was saying it. He just all of this it. stuff that I thought he was mm, ignoring right. me, you know, for a year and a half. Yeah. All of the things. But in that, he also got my attitude. <laughs> that came out too. He got my attitude. He says like shit that I would say. Like one of the things that I've really been trying to work. I, 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 did, I haven't said it in so long, but I used to say, I don't even care no more. And like during the pandemic, you know, mm. like if I'm trying to get the boys to do something, the older boys, they weren't listening. I'd be like, I don't even care no more. And like walk away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two months ago, I told Ashton to do something. And he was like, I don't even care no more. And walked away. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so you really, they really, you have up until five where their brains, this is for any child. Mm. Their brains are like sponges. Mm-hmm. They they're they're absorbed absorbing <laughs> yes. everything. After that, their brain starts to develop habits. So when I try to tell parents and, and the doctors and therapists, all of them will agree that early intervention is key. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't wait for you know for a doctor to say, oh, you have to wait a year and a half. Okay, well then you got to do what you got to do as a mom. You got to go do research. You got to try mm-hmm. to figure it out. You have to, there's so many moms on YouTube. There's so many moms on Instagram. And to what you said about you can't be vulnerable with people and, you know, mm. you got there are certain things. I do agree with that. But for me, me being vulnerable with my kid and saying, I think my kid might have autism on my page and me saying, me, me sharing myself having a very tough time with it and doing, which is completely not me. I'm a very prideful person. Like right. I'm a crybaby, but only certain people going to know that I'm a crybaby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I switched it. And because of that, it was people saying, well, try this. I tried this with my son or go mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You know, they do this or maybe buy this or maybe do this. And because of all of these little nuggets I was getting from all of these different, different moms for me being vulnerable, I was able to give my son what I think is a new start, you know, compared mm-hmm. to the the doctors once saying he's going to live with you forever. You just need to keep your mind, you know, you need to prepare yourself for that. He's going to live free with you forever, which in one sense, you feel bad as a mom for many reasons. One is he's not going to have his own life. Is he ever going to go to prom? Is he ever going to get married? Am I going to have grandchildren? And then you have like the selfish feeling of, am I ever going to have time for myself again in my life? Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's like all of these things. Um, and, and I just feel like in, at least, at least with that, well, I feel like on social media in general, if you're, if people were more, more vulnerable and open and honest about things, we wouldn't feel this pressure to be so fake on social media to keep up with everybody else because then we would see that everybody is going through the same thing. Once I was open about Ashton's autism, then all of a sudden all these other people start reaching out to me. It does get very overwhelming and and sometimes I can't keep up with it because there's so many messages from moms saying, I saw this post and I knew something was wrong. And and if you could just talk to me about it because I have, you know, blah, 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 wrong. and, And it's like, it can be overwhelming because one, it takes me back to that dark time that I know exactly mm-hmm. how they feel mm-hmm. right then. That I was crying every fucking day, drinking wine every two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can I help my baby? How am I supposed to? Help? Um, but at the same time, if people were more open or honest about it, then we we could share this stuff more openly, and we could all help each other. Not only to help our children develop and be put in the best position possible for the future, but 
to be there for one another because you can feel isolated and alone, you know, when you have friends with with children who are, you know, um, typical children and you have the and they don't understand what you're going through. So now you want people you could talk to. No, the best thing for me is to have parents that now I can reach out to and be like, girl, he just did blah, blah, blah. blah. And and they understand, Mm -hmm. you know, they understand what I'm going through. They're not looking at me like, what the fuck? He just did what? (laughs) What You know, so I think that vulnerability, you know. No, I I agree with you about being vulnerable because us being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and opening up about our relationship, we do get a lot of good feedback from people, but there are also people who attack you Mm -hmm. for your vulnerability. Oh, yeah. And there's people Mm -hmm. who judge you for being vulnerable. And that's where I say you have to be selective about who you want to be vulnerable with because everyone is not going to be your advocate. Everyone is not going to root for you to be happy in part because they're dealing with their own issues. Mm -hmm. So you can't, and and what we've learned and I've learned this from even from playing football is not to take everyone's words for you as something is wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time people just project their own issues on you when they see an opening they use that vulnerable mm-hmm. moment to project whatever they're going on. So that's how we've able to get through allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and understanding that everyone is not going to understand. Like there's times yeah. I'm vulnerable about how I feel as a man and I get attacked by women. There's times she's vulnerable about being open as a woman. Mm-hmm. She's attacked by men. There's there's times yeah. we're vulnerable about being parents and being vulnerable about she was being vulnerable about postpartum and not feeling like she wanted to be a mom and women attacked her saying, how dare you not want to be a mom? And it's like, hey, guys, I'm just telling you how I felt in the mm-hmm. moment. I didn't, yeah. I didn't say that was yeah. the be all and end all. It was mm-hmm. just that moment. Yeah. But there was one thing you also said when, when I used to run Prototype, we used to get a lot of kids with developmental issues and behavioral issues. And mm-hmm. their parents took them to doctors and the first thing the doctor said was, this kid needs Adderall or some sort of medication and I used to tell the parents, and I'm not a doctor like you, but I say, mm-hmm. before you give that child medication in the morning, how about you just cut the sugar in the morning and put the child on a, on a physical activity regimen before they go to school? I kid you not, every child that we told that to did not have behavioral issues when they got to school for after that for, like, for about three months. It was like getting rid of the sugar, getting rid of the gluten, now the child was able to focus. Putting them in a physical activity, now all that energy, and it didn't matter if it was a boy or a girl because mm-hmm. we had moms who come with us with girls who ran track or was mm-hmm. volleyball who was getting in, into trouble. Once they changed their diet and gave them more physical activity, all of these children responded to it. So mm-hmm. what I've noticed is a trend of doctors trying to tell parents that medication is the key mm-hmm. and pretty much telling a lot of black parents and brown parents that, hey, your child is just going to have a problem and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. We received a lot of parents like that. So can you just talk a little bit about advocating for yourself and your child, even though all the professionals are saying, hey, <laughs> you stuck, bro. Like, there's just yeah. there's nothing just we can what do. what it is. Well, one, I'm not against uh medication. I, I just, I have ADD, very mild ADD. I'm not I against do. it either. Yeah, I knew my whole life, but I did not go and get medication for it until two years ago. Um, And this is after me trying tons of like natural things. So, and Mm -hmm. it's not even something that I have to take all the time. I think it's, it's all in your mindset, 
you know, um, on on medication. However, I do 100% agree with you that doctors do just try to put medicine. It's like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Or for Ashton, in his case, when he got diagnosed, then we had to go back in to see the pediatrician. She literally handed me a brochure and basically was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And that was, I'm like, you have just rocked my entire, my whole world has just been changed. And he gave me this, this old ass brochure. Like, what the fuck? It was old too. I know he was, was ready like to fight somebody too. She had dog ears. I was, I was like, what the fuck? I was really like, are you kidding me right now? Yes. It was like the oldest ass brochure. I'm sure they had bell bottoms on in the beginning of the front of the brochure. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but I think that. I I've said I've shared this before that that I went through the first mm-hmm. month crying. I was just in full blown tears. I wouldn't cry in front of Ashton, but at any moment I was by myself, I was crying. And then I realized at some point, at the end of the day, it is my job as his mom to mm-hmm. make sure that he has the most successful future he could possibly have. There's mm-hmm. no way for me to do that if I'm sitting here crying. Mm-hmm. So I would rather give my all and do every fucking thing I can to to ensure that he has for him, you know, and who he is, he has the most successful future. And I had to put on my big girl panties, stop crying. And and that's what I did. I, I didn't listen to what the doctors said because the doctors weren't telling me anything, but yep. he going to live with you forever. You know, these are the right. special schools he can go to. These are. So I didn't for um, sports. He he started wrestling um, last summer. It could only work for the summer because then the pandemic started, you know, going crazy again. But mm-hmm. he started last summer. We didn't put him in in um, in any like uh special wrestling, which was something that uh, his father and I talked about, you know, whether or not we should put him in sports Mm -hmm. that, you know, they have leagues for children with with, uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. And we made the decision that no, we didn't want to. And and that's a a parent's decision. So I I would never judge a parent for doing that. But for us, we felt like we wanted him. We're not going to be there to hold his hand for the rest of his life. Absolutely, for, you know, for us. Absolutely. And so we we want him to be around other people so that he understands and that they understand that people are different. You know, and people might mm-hmm. treat mm-hmm. you differently. It's okay. We're going to be there to help you and make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, so his school. He does not go to a school for children with disabil- disabilities. He goes to a regular uh, preschool. Um, this was the same school that CJ went to. So they're, they're like family. We love them. And they, mm-hmm. they were, we, they give him his, I'm pre-mix his supplements into his juice. They give it to him during lunchtime when he needs it. And right before I pick him mm-hmm. up and, you know, they, they keep me posted on things and they pray over him and all this great, That's you know, they're, they're amazing. And, it, you That's know, I think it's, I think it's, it's all about not only advocating for your children to the doctors or just in general but to your families too because a lot of times mm. they will and, and they, they don't mean it on purpose but mm. a lot right. of things uh there's nothing wrong with that boy right. he'll be right. he you know like i said june bud started talking at six you know boom, boom. <laughs> right 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 man 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 was crawling until he was 17 and then all of a sudden he's like okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> so i think it's a it's a thing of Standing ten toes down for your kids and saying, "This is this is my child. This right. is what I expect." I had to have a mm-hmm. conversation with CJ once he got diagnosed. With my older son and say, "You know, I know you're 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 a teenager now. You know, like you need a mm-hmm. lot from me. 
but I got to give a whole lot to your brother right now. I got to, I really got to clamp down on your brother. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to try to understand that I'm not trying to ignore you or I'm not. So I try to do That's a whole podcast on its own. Mm -hmm. We we had another mom in our building talk about, you know, having a child with a disability and the other children feeling neglected. That's a huge, that's a a huge podcast. And and then it's a thing, the moment I get him down to bed at eight o'clock, I go in my room, I'm like, "Ah," CJ knocking on the door. Like, hey mom, what's, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I don't have nothing left in me. You know, like I'm, I'm yeah. drained. I don't, and some days mm-hmm. I have to say, I love you so much. I'm, I, and I'm so sorry, but I, I feel like I'm about to pass out, you know, like, or I'm a, I'm a lose yeah. my shit. So then it's just, mm-hmm. you know, but, but with, with him, with my, it, it helps, it helps to be, to keep your old, if you have older kids or, or younger kids, um, be open and honest with them too, because one, when Asha has a, another brother too, Elijah, um, and we when we when we go anywhere with Ashton, his two big brothers are like, "Don't fuck with my little brother. I'll beat the shit out of you. Y'all fuck with my mm-hmm. little brother." Like they're like right. bodyguards. He'll be running around, not paying attention to nobody, whatever. If anybody look at them sideways, they looking like it's a problem. It's something, you know. It's right. But at the same time. Uh, one time I took them to the playground and there was a little boy who you could tell was on the spectrum, but he was older. He was like 12 and he kept mm. following my older boys around. He wanted to play with me. He he had no, no kind of idea of like personal space or, you know, right. whatever. And mm. they knew that I was worried. Yeah. I was yeah. very concerned at first that they was going to be like, like, why are you? But they did it. They, yeah. even though he was getting all you could tell, I mean, you know, he was <laughs> yeah. like up on them. Look at they Mama were, Catrice teaching empathy. Like, yeah, yep, exactly. They, they knew exactly I was what so it was. proud of them because they really were like, he was following them. They were, they were trying to go down with Ashley. He was right up behind them. They were like, hey, yo. <laughs> but I they, you know, that. they were fine with it. And I think that that's why it's so important to be open about it and to, to teach your kids because I'm telling you, kindness is is the most wonderful gift you can give to anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Man, I, I, I love that. It. Catrice. Sorry. <laughs> I, was just talk, I was just saying that's, that's this, there were so many takeaways. I feel like in this episode, we spoke about yeah. so many different things. I mean, from co-parenting to your divorce and then now um, dealing with children who have autism. I hate to say dealing. I want to say raising a child who has yeah. autism because mm-hmm. I think it's dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you should come back, like maybe next season, and we can talk about something else. Oh yeah, and, and make progress. Yeah, you know, I think there's yeah. always See how progress Ashton's with doing. Ashton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think any parent who um, is listening to this, or if you're not a parent and you know someone who has a child that may have autism or you know developmentally delayed or something's going on, um, it's always helpful to have resources like this. Yeah. Girl, we could talk all day. I'm gonna, but say, we're gonna I let talk you a lot. Just I'm because. Oh, no, no, that's, that's fine. fine. That's fine. It's a podcast. Just, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to talk. Um, so we're going to let you go. But thank you so much for, um, you know, joining us today. Tell everybody where they can find you since there's a wealth of knowledge and funny moments. Y'all have to check out thank her Instagram. You. It totally um, relates. So tell everybody where they can find you. On Funny Mama on Instagram, uh, face, yeah, Facebook and TikTok. It's the Funny Mama, M-O-M-M-A. And then my website is thefunnymama.com. And on there, I outline all of the different things I've done for action and all of the supplements mm-hmm. and stuff like that there. Sounds good. Well, if I'm ever in the DMV area, we'll get some wine together. 
Oh, for sure. Patrice, we appreciate you so much. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for your your story, your gift of storytelling and your vulnerability. Absolutely. We appreciate you, sis. Thanks for having me. Love to the boys, no doubt. It's our pleasure. (laughs) All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to move into listener letters after we get into some ads. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a Black-led brand, we make room for another Black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of Black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show Black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know... It doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. And get this. Near, yes, near, the OG that I used for years has now leveled up. And they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing. My personal favorite, coconut oil and vitamin E because it's gentle on my skin. And down to the body cream, rich cocoa butter and vitamin E body cream, which is a modern take on indulgent and classic femininity. Okay? It works in as little as three minutes. No nicks, no cuts, and the smooth skin lasts days longer than shaving. Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all those nasty chemicals so you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. Have a me-time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. All right, so we're back. We just want to give you guys some stats about autism that... um our producer with the mostest dribble, dribble, dribble. 
<laughs> in 2021, the CDC reported that approximately one in 44 children in the U.S. is diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder. That's ASD, according to 2018 data. One in 27 boys identified with autism, one in 116 girls identified with autism, and boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with autism than girls. That's interesting. That is interesting. I didn't know. Um, and the causes of autism, I've always wondered because you hear all these different, you know, um, yeah. you know, ideas about it. Is it from vaccines? Is it uh, genetic? Um, but research indicates that genetics are involved in the vast majority of cases. Right. Children born with older parents are at higher risk of having autism. Um, parents who have a child with ASD have 2 to 18% chance of having a second child who's affected mm. with it. And studies have also shown that among identical twins, if one twin is autism, or has, oh, sorry, has autism, the other will be affected about 36 to 95% of the time. Oh, wow. That's pretty large. Um, in non-identical twins, if one is has autism, then the other is affected about 31% of the times. So it seems like very specific um, data that yes. we have here. And over the last two decades, extensive research has also um, asked whether there's a link between childhood vaccinations and autism. Um, the results of this research are clear that vaccines don't cause autism. Okay. However, some people will uh, contest that and say that the length of time between mm -hmm. certain vaccines. vaccines being given to children, they feel like there's been a change where they've seen changes in their children where they right. may want to think that's the reason why autism um, may result in their child. So do your research. interesting data. Do your research as always. Just wanted to throw that out there to y'all. But now you want to get into your favorite part of the show. Listen, we had a very long interview today, so we're only going to do one listener letter. All, all right. right. This listening letter long too. I'll read it since you read off the stats. All right, Go baby? for it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. First off, I love you both, and we love you too. Thank you so much for the positive energy. I have never had anyone to look up to, and I've been following both your journeys, and I aspire to even be a tenth of you guys. Are oh, you so sweet? Like Aww. you, and you will be better than us if you aspire to. You will be. I believe that. And what you embody. Okay, I need help. We all do. Uh, to give a backstory, I am 27 years old. I have been married for a year, and my husband and I have been together for five years. I have always been the main breadwinner. I paid for my engagement wing, ring, wedding ring, and wedding out of my own pockets to take the stress away from my husband because he could not afford it. I am a makeup artist, and I will finish uh, esthetician. esthetician school mm -hmm. in July 2022. I aspire to be a celebrity MUA, makeup artist, and esthetician. Here is my problem. I feel like I have built resentment towards my husband because his work ethic isn't like mine. I feel as if he doesn't put forth the effort to do better and want better. My mindset is like the vow. I have to be the breadwinner. A lack, a little backstory. My mom died when I was two. My father and I have no relationship and my grandmother didn't teach me anything about how to be a young lady, let alone a wife. Interesting. He hates talking about anything difficult with finances. Or we live with my grandmother and sleep on the floor because I made... Sure, our three kids, well, they have three kids, had rooms of their own. Wow. Wow. How do I deal with this situation and not end up hating my husband? Also, is there any advice you can give me to help get to my dreams? I work hard and constantly tell myself I will not be in the same place next year. I try to manifest my dreams and pray, but I'm so lost. Please help. Yo. Whoa. We were just having this conversation Whoa. the other day with Denora. Mm. We were just having this conversation. All right. First and foremost... When it comes to work ethics, right? 
You may have uh, may have a mindset like Deval, but one thing I had to learn being married is that everyone's process is not the same. Mm -hmm. Just because you do things one way don't mean that it's the right way. That's just your way. Mm -hmm. That don't mean that his way is wrong. Mm -hmm. But you do have to hold him accountable for holding up his end of the bargain if you guys have had a conversation about where he is and is supposed to be in his career. For example, this may sound sexist, okay? But I don't give a fuck. If you ask a woman to marry you, it is my belief that it's your responsibility to be able to take care of that woman, especially if you're going to ask that woman to have children for you. Because like we've learned over the past four births, anything can go wrong and there may be a point where your wife can or cannot work. And if you're asking this woman to marry you and then asking this woman to have children for you, it has to be your responsibility to be able to maintain the household finances if she cannot work. So that doesn't mean that I don't believe a woman can't be the breadwinner because a woman can be the breadwinner. But I do think there's a man's responsibility to be able to take care of the finances in the home. Whatever your wife makes, even if she's a breadwinner, is extra. Her financing go towards investments. You know, maybe they wouldn't have to live at your mom's house. If he was working and being able to take care of the bills and then you were still making more money, you can invest in other property, you can invest in other businesses, or even so, even if you weren't working as much, you could be a stay-at-home dad but still be able to work enough to maintain the finances. Like, Because that's what we went through at one point in our, career, in our marriage. Yeah. Early on, when I first retired from the NFL, I wasn't working full time. Mm -hmm. I was a partial stay at home dad with Jackson. Kadeen was a makeup artist going to work I every was day for hours. Working at Mac for hours. That's that's part of our journey. I like, had the health insurance, so I was like, I'm gonna hold it down mm -hmm. while you were building your business. So at least you weren't business. just at home doing nothing. You no. were sole caretaker of our child at the time. Yes. And I think there's maybe a level of complacency that her husband may have here too, because yes. if you've always been the breadwinner and you've always been, the, you bought your own engagement ring, yes. it's like, what exactly is it that he, does he have to try for? What is he trying for at this point? If she's done it all. You've been doing it all. So he just may also just be complacent with the fact that my wife is the breadwinner and we have the things that we need. All three children have our own their own room but they sleep on the floor they sleep on the floor in your grandmother's place like, like see this is my i couldn't live with myself if my wife was the breadwinner and had to sleep on the floor like it's different if this was like a sacrificial period in your marriage where you're like you know what babe we've been through that too yeah we're gonna sleep on this floor for the next year because we are both gonna bust our ass to save money so that way we can find our own place or mm -hmm. something um but is there just like a level of like comfort and complacency that he has sleeping on the floor in grandma's house I don't. I, to be honest, I don't. I don't understand it. We we have we have another podcast coming up talking about family and, and adults. Mm -hmm. I just, for the life of me, don't understand how if your if if your sole purpose is to not sole purpose, but if your husband, mm -hmm. part of that being a husband, even if you're a stay at home dad, has to be to take care of your family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it, it has to be. Because I and can see resentment building. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. In this circumstance, especially since you're the go-getter. Um, a piece of advice that I have for you as a makeup artist and esthetician, um, just be great at your craft. Um, I know aspiring to be a celebrity makeup artist or celebrity this or that um, seems like the best road sometimes, but just be great at what you are doing. Be great at your craft because sometimes your biggest clientele aren't the celebrity clients. I was going to say, you made a lot more money. They are you your hardworking, everyday yeah. women. 
um, who are going to be brides, who are going to be moms. Like I made a ton, of, made money a ton of money in the wedding industry, in the wedding, actually, yeah. as a makeup artist. Sometimes that celebrity makeup artist life is not the move because sometimes you have people wanting jobs done for free or for exposure that don't pay the bills. Well, that's so, that's ultimately what happens. Once you become a celebrity makeup artist, then people try to up their rate so that the regular people have to pay more money for their time because their client, one of their clients is a celebrity. Right. What I've learned, especially watching Kadeen do this for years, I think you you did it for almost, almost, oh almost a decade. Yeah, almost a decade. Yeah, you did it for almost a decade. Yeah. Um, you had those clients that were like your repeat clients. Oh yeah. So retention when you, is very important. When you got a client for an engagement shoot. You then got them for a boudoir shoot. You mm -hmm. then got them for their maternity shoot. Mm -hmm. You then got them for their wedding. And these are people that anytime they had an event, oh my God, they, became they contacted you. And then they, they gave their friends your information. Absolutely. So sometimes it's not about the celebrity. And I even learned this with my business. Remember I wanted when I started training. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to train NFL elite athletes. Right. Them niggas don't pay. Right. It and was, in this social media age, sometimes they don't, the client doesn't always tag the makeup artist. At all. Tag them. And does that tagging translate to money for right. you in the future? So that's something you want to think about. That's from a business standpoint. Biggest, yeah, that's from a business from, standpoint. From, from, from the biggest clientele for you may just be your everyday woman, you know? Um, but yeah, sorry, back to the task at hand. But um, no, no, I was just saying that um, I think, and this is what we talked about with Denora, right? Anytime you have a marriage, mm -hmm. you're going into a, a contract negotiation, right? So you have to say, what are your terms for the agreement? I have to say, what are my terms for the agreement? And this is why, I remember when I used to say all the time, marriage is a business? Mm -hmm. It is a business, right? You sign a contract, you get married, you share your taxes, you know, you divide up finances. When you get married, you have to go into it knowing that I have to tell my spouse, and this is something that we talked about with Catrice, I have to tell my spouse what my wants and my needs are, not only uh, physically and mentally, emotionally, but also financially. Mm -hmm. You know, where do we want to see ourselves in five years? Right. And a lot of times these conversations aren't had between people. Then you get married and through the marriage, you start to realize that this person's financial acumen is not the same as mine. Their wants and needs aren't the same as mine. And resentment builds. Absolutely. Because he may be complacent. He may be a great guy who just mm -hmm. feels like, well, my wife got it. So, so we're good. So yeah. we're good. And you may be like, no, I want more. Right. And if that's not his mindset, this is something that you should have discussed. It's worth the conversation. You know, early I'd on. say, hey, we're at the top of the year. Usually Deval and I will sit, we'll have several different conversations yes. at the top of the year. We will talk to ourselves. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. be like, self, what do I want for this new year? What's going to be my plan for the year? What's my next two-year plan? What's my five-year plan from this point on? We have a conversation as a couple. We then mm -hmm. have business conversations with our manager individually and yeah. as a couple. Like there are different conversations that need to be had. So I feel like sis. Maybe it's worth having a conversation with him and putting yourselves on some sort of timeline, goal-oriented yeah. plan, especially if you're feeling like you're needing some help um, and you don't want the resentment to build, you know? And also, it doesn't I think seem the, like she's unhappy. No, it doesn't seem like she's yeah, unhappy. She, she enjoys she needs being help. the breadwinner. She just needs help. And yeah. I feel like the world is changing. Like, this idea that you have to exist in a space where the man is the breadwinner yeah. is not the reality anymore. No. There are some high-earning women in the world mm -hmm. who... Are going to earn more than their spouses, regardless right. of what their spouses do. Right. And it's fine to say, you know what? We we're married. We don't have traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. She's the breadwinner. Like that's, that's just it. there's nothing wrong with it. And and also as a man, you can still find pride in taking care of your family, even if your wife makes more money than you. Yep. I ain't gonna lie to you. Regardless of how much money Kay Kay could sign a deal with Own tomorrow, and be making fifty million dollars a year, that would make it a breadwinner. I'm still going to pay all the bills in the house. Like, that's just that's just the way our 
relationship works. And then Kale probably she just says all the time, when I start to make my millions, I'm gonna she's she gonna hey, splurge hey, on me, hey. invest in us. <laughs> I thing is I don't got no problem with that. Like I, I don't got no problem with that. As so, long as you dance for it. You want me dance, to dance for her? Dance. I got you. Dance, I got you. <laughs> oh gosh. I love that but I also say to um, whoever's better equipped in that moment to deal with whatever the task deal is at hand it. sometimes deal with it that's deal the work it. for you right alright y'all if you'd like to be featured as one of our listener letters email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com that's d-e-a-d-a-s-s-a-d-v-i-c-e he's about to try to cut me off I almost you did. My bad. at gmail.com yes. moment of truth time we covered so much in this episode. We did. I don't even know what my moment of truth is right now. Let me think real quick. You got one? I got my moment of truth. Okay, first, go first, for it. my moment of truth is for parenting, mm. right? And because mm-hmm. uh, that's mainly what we were talking about relationships yes. and parenting. Yes. But Catrice pointed out something very important that I missed that I'm glad she pointed it out. When you have children, right? Mm-hmm. Children's relationships with the rest of the world are going to be dependent on mom's relationship with dad dad's relationship with mom and then their relationship with the child or mom's relationship with mom and dad's relationship with dad and then their relationship with the parent. And that's important Mm -hmm. because now as parents, you get to choose how you want your children to see you interact with your spouse every time you open your mouth in that house. Mm -hmm. So you have to be deliberate, you know, you and your, your wife or you or your husband are going through something and your child is there. Let me be very deliberate about how I deal with this situation because my ch- my child's relationships in the future, not just romantic relationships, right. relationships with friends, relationships with business partners are all going to be predicated on how they see us deal with each other. So my moment of truth is be very cognizant of what your children see in that house and make choices that not only best suit yourself, mm-hmm. but also sh- suit your child. That's dope. Very good. Very, very well said. Um, I think my moment of truth is going what, to what Katrice said Um when she said, as a mom, I just had that gut feeling that I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel like moms are gifted with this intuition that we just know that mm-hmm. something may be wrong. And um, I always encourage every mom or dad to go with that and not to take for granted that the family member is saying, oh, such and such was fine. Or this person right. was fine. That person was fine. Oh, the baby's just fine. You know, I think there's been too much of that happening, particularly yeah. in our community Absolutely. where we just kind of brush things off or just say somebody will outgrow it. And then when they don't and they're not necessarily as productive as a member of society as we want them to be, we're then shunning them or we're making fun of them or <laughs> we're laughing true. at them um, as, a, in a, in a, as opposed to trying to find out early, like she said, that early intervention phase mm-hmm. of finding out what exactly is going on, what makes my child tick, why isn't my child ticking the way he or she should, and then being that advocate for them, speaking up for them, making mm-hmm. sure that they have the resources they need. And let's face it, um, a lot of black and brown kids don't necessarily have the resources readily available and handy to them that they need, True. in part because sometimes we don't do our due diligence and do our own research, but in part because they kind of give us these circles and these hoops that we have to jump through in order to advocate for our child properly. So I would encourage any parent, um, if you see something with your child that you may feel like is not necessarily the normal, don't always take the professional's word as, right. you know, um, absolutely as law. And um, sometimes you just have to do your own thing at home. And I think the benefit Catrice had was that during the pandemic, she was really able to like hone in on Ashton and yeah. say, you know what? We have this time at home. We're together. Let me try everything. And imagine mm-hmm. how she felt because I felt it just being a mom as well when she said he's talking now and everything, the flashcards, the fish, yeah. the blue, the purple, like yeah. he just it was just started coming out. 
So it wasn't in vain. And I just got goosebumps in that moment for her because I just felt as a mom that sense of pride when you feel like, wow, something was resonating this whole time and it was not in vain. Um, and it was all for the betterment of the baby. So that's my moment of truth, y'all. That was a great moment of truth. Thank you. Yeah, I could tell you, so, when you mama bear, your, your mama bear exudes. I was, I was meant to be a unfuckwittableness. That's, that's one thing. Is I that know. a word? Unfuckwittableness? I like it, but we can coin that phrase. Unfuckwittableness. That that's, you have as a mom. That's I your was mama bear. meant to be a mother. That's me in my happiest state as a mom and a wife, of course. So, anywho, yes, y'all. Y'all know where to find me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Kadeen, I am on Instagram. Uh, or on social media, rather. And, of course, we're at Deadass the Podcast. And I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Deadass, y'all. Deadass, baby. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.